Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Well here we are guys after a big break um, into another podcast, a very special festive one um, slash World Cup one. There's so, so, so much to go through since we last spoke to you. Um, there's been ups and downs in Liverpool season, there's been ups and downs in our life and um, we're in the middle of a World Cup in the middle of the winter which is just so bizarre but um, first of all, Danny. Um, how are you? And we're just after our big, big live night um, in the Alley Theatre. So, first of all, how are you, buddy? Then, yeah, let, let's go straight to that night that we can't not mention. I know, yeah. Um, yeah, all in all, I'm doing all right. It's busy as always. Build up to Christmas is always crazy busy with work. So, yeah, that's sort of keeping me keeping me active and all over the country, which is a bit mad. But all in all, doing well. Looking forward to it. Um, looking forward to getting over to Liverpool at Christmas, which would be nice. Um, spend a few days over there and seeing everyone and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think I'm still riding the high of that uh, night that we had in the theatre. I think just sort of enjoying, the, remembering what what went on during that and just the absolute bizarreness of it, of just 24 hours of being with ex-professional footballers and putting on a show. It, it was kind of a whirlwind. Um, but yeah, it was amazing, wasn't it? Well, yeah, the thing is, I mean, yeah, and same as you, Danny, busy. It, 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 as it gets colder during the year, um, things certainly heated up for our podcast that night and, and we kind of come to a little bit of a pinnacle, I would say. You know, we say this um, now afterwards, but it's true. It was literally a pipe dream that we had, that we were able to you know, host two ex-professionals, um, two ex- ex-Liverpool professionals, you know, that were part of the Champions League winning squad. And to bring them to a small town where I'm proud to to, to live, and I call a second home in Strabane was just fantastic. And uh, the, the the response we've had since has just been amazing. So what I would say before we go into that night a little bit is watch the space. There's um there's negotiations going on in the background. That's all I can say. Um, and things are exciting. But 
that night was just it was unbelievable and it was a great insight you know Neil Mellor in particular he was we we were obviously conversing before the night and we were, we were chatting you know the days leading up to it and we were asking him questions and kind of prepping and stuff and he was keeping everyone kind of close to his chest wasn't he but I think one of the biggest revelations for me was he revealed that he was on like was it £120 a week or something like that but if he gets a win in the Champions League when he was on apprentice wage, he gets ten thousand pound bonus. And uh, you know, imagine that imagine that being in your job title, you know, you're getting such and such living on an Anfield in you know, in a shared house. You know, you are training with the with the stars, but you're not really making the stars money. But then you get to make it a place in the Champions League squad and you're getting ten grand for a win. And he was going on about a game away in Monaco where um was a Saviola, Saviola cheated and won a penalty and that you know, cost it literally cost him ten grand, and at that stage of his career, it was like amazing. But having that insight and hearing stories like that, Danny, on stage with us with the crowd was just—I um, don't want to overshoot it and say magical, but it really was an experience, wasn't it? Yeah, it's one of those weird ones that I think. Uh, I think what struck me, which which should which shouldn't really strike you, but I think it does, is that normally I think because we've grown up seeing these guys on TV and watching them play and being at Anfield and doing all these amazing things that we can only dream of, you kind of put them in this sort of light of thinking that they're kind of untouchable. And then obviously, especially for for myself, like I picked them up from the airport and I'd like a two hour drive to Straban with them in the car. And I think you realize just like, they're just normal guys. Like they're just doing normal things. And they were talking about taking the kids out and problems they were having with different things and like work. And like, even though they're in jobs that we, that we could only dream of, even especially Neil, like doing the LFC TV stuff and soccer Saturday, we're talking about just like the stresses of work life and the stresses of home life and the kids and all the rest of it. And you kind of go on, they're just really normal fellas. Um, so yes, but, but at the same time to be able to, get that insight of watching their lives unfold over so many years and then being able to just ask them questions about that. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty fascinating. So yeah, I really they, enjoyed it. Like. Yeah, they were gentlemen, as I say, and, you know, for someone like Neil Mellor, you know, obviously he played for the and he had a good fuse at the but he, you know, he, he choked out in the lower leagues for the majority of his career. Yeah. And okay, he's probably on decent money, but, you know, he's, he, I wouldn't say, you know, at the championship level and, you know, league one level that, it's not the type of money that people think sometimes. And uh, he, he puts the graft in, you know, being a pundit. Um, and obviously with Chris as well, he, you know, he was chatting about his mental health issues and his addiction to painkillers. And um, I think, you know, it just so happened that they're, they're, they're pals and they're buddies and it, we, we brought them together. And the, the combination and the different stories to tell and, you know, it was a fascinating story, wasn't it, Danny? Um, if he wasn't there, it's definitely worth going through. This was um, when Liverpool won the Champions League. Um, and Dudek saved that penalty. There was a lot of players that weren't necessarily within the squad, but been part of the team. The likes of Chris Kirkland and Neil Mella, um, Fernando Morientes. And um, one of the stewards in Istanbul was trying to stop Morientes and uh, the likes of Neil Mella and Chris Kirkland getting the pitch to celebrate with the team. And uh, it, had to, it took Fernando Morientes to take out his passport to prove that he was who he was to get the lads on the pitch. Now, things like that, you would never think in a million years that that would be a problem, but that happened. And then boys were saying, we we nearly missed out on a chance of celebrating, you know, once-in-a-lifetime stuff. And hearing those stories first and live on stage was just... You have, you have to pinch yourself, don't you? Because stuff like that, you just would never know. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real strange one, isn't it? Like Maybe it's just because we're Liverpool fans and we would probably we would recognise them so well. Um, but I suppose for, for just stewards in a pitch... 
mind the Champions League game, you sort of think, oh, everyone. And to be fair, like I remember even thinking back to that 2005, there was that one guy who put on a high-vis vest and managed to get onto the pitch, didn't he? He was in all the pitches and everything. He was just a yes. random fan. Um, so I suppose they're trying to watch out that that doesn't happen and they don't necessarily know them. But, yeah, so it, like I said, those types of stories, it just brings the reality of it because we remember watching him. We remember watching his fans and sort of thinking that, that they were in that position, that same position as us, and but then trying to get onto the pitch and be part of that moment as well. Um, yeah, it was it was a great it was great insights. Like I really enjoyed it, especially remembering those moments myself. Getting it from that perspective was fascinating. Like. Yeah, absolutely. And as I say, it was great. We had the replica trophies there. We had the press there. Um, fans got a chance to ask questions and stuff. So it was fantastic, fantastic night. And it's something that we you know will live in our memory for a long time. And obviously, a big shout and thanks out to thanks to the boys. But I've got a couple of thank yous before I start going to the issues. So. The format of the pod today, guys, obviously, because it's a it's a special one-off pod for Christmas. Um, we did promise that we'd have guests, and that is definitely in the pipeline. But with the World Cup and with so many discussion points, and it being you know the end of the year, um, and obviously the World Cup, we've got a lot of discussion points. So first of all, big thank you to the Alley Theatre in Straban, to the Fair Trees Hotel in Straban, um, and everyone, particularly um, our friend of the podcast Gareth, that put a lot of work and behind the scenes to make the night the, the night run well. Um, and obviously the final thanks a big Chris to uh, big thanks to Chris and Neil themselves. Um, it was a fantastic night. But in the meantime, and something ha- actually happened just the night before, a big massive talking point. Um, obviously we're going to come on to Ronaldo. We have to. We can't yeah. have a football podcast and not talk about Ronaldo. But just a few weeks before that, one of the biggest talking points was Gerard and uh, Captain Fantastic Stephen Gerard, the, the man that we grew up idolising, done a fantastic job at Rangers. He goes to Aston Villa and it just didn't quite work out. And since then, they've battered a couple of teams. So what were your initial thoughts on that, Danny? And uh, do you think it was harsh? It's hard to know. It's hard to know when you're not behind the scenes, isn't it? From an outside appearance, and I think I know we're a Liverpool podcast and all the rest of it, but you've got to try and be as like unbiased as possible. Like to the outside looking in, it looked like Gerard was stealing the living at Aston Villa because he was the team was playing awful. It didn't look like they had any direction that they were going in. It looked like Gerard was hoping that he'd just get a load of money, bring in a load of players, and sort of do what he's done at Rangers, where that was never going to happen in the Premier League. So it looked like he had no clue what he was doing. But then he gets sacked, and the team starts performing, and you start thinking to yourself, is it more of a thing of what we what we see so many times within football, I think we've watched Chelsea do it so many times over the years, haven't we? Where if they don't like a manager, they just stop performing until the manager gets sacked. I remember Chelsea doing it a few times to a few different managers. Um, we've seen sort of Everton to a certain degree do it to Benitez when he was in and, and things like this. Like for me, I think it's probably a mixture of both. I think I think Gerard maybe didn't. He probably wasn't ready for that level of step up. To, to somewhere like Aston Villa coming from Rangers. The type of league is very, very different. Um, but I think he also must have at some point lost the dressing room because for the team to to literally change overnight like it did and start performing the way they have done, I think it's got to be a, a little bit of them getting together and going, boys, we, we can get him out here if we just stop playing well. Well, yeah, and I, do you know what? You, from an outsider looking, you have to kind of agree with that. You know, it looks like the players weren't playing from. Um, but they weren't getting slaughtered. It was like a one 0 here, two on here. But you know, that's a Premier League. It's tough, and you know, there's people that say Celtic and Rangers coming to Premier League and they'll be near the top. But the, the <laughs> facts are, it's a it's a goal for difference, isn't it? It's a goal for difference. Um, but yeah, no, obviously, 
the second part of the podcast, we're going to dedicate to the World Cup and you know chat about Ronaldo a bit. So what we're going to do now is come on to like the last kind of six or seven games for Liverpool um, and kind of preview a little bit about the games come up after the World Cup. Um, I've got lots of things with stars on my notes here, and I don't know where to start off. But within since we've last spoken, we've had a defeat by Leeds, a defeat by um, Nottingham Forest, and uh, we've beaten Spurs, Man City, Ajax, Napoli, uh, Derby just about in the cup, and then a convincing win against um, Southampton. And then obviously we've had bad injuries to Diaz, a bad injury to Jota. But we've also had the emergence in a Liverpool shirt of Darwin Nunes. So, uh, I mean, I, I could sit here and, and ask a simple question, Danny, but where, where would the fun be in that? So, after everything I've just said, where, where will we start? Like, you know, obviously, getting beat against Forest and Leeds before the season was a, an absolute no-go. The league was over. You know, you, you beat City before that. The league was back on. But then, you know, Forest, obviously, Leeds last minute in the game. The first defeat at Anfield in God knows how long. Then obviously wins against Napoli, Spurs away, Derby in the cup, just about, and Southampton. Where do we start, Danny? Oh, it's hard to know, isn't it? It's been a very turbulent season so far. I think everybody would agree with that. We're sitting in sixth at the minute, so it's not as if we've had the worst season in the world. There's still a half to go. Um, but yeah, it's been a straight like even just the season in itself is very strange. Arsenal sitting relatively comfortable at the top of the league at the minute. Um, like and all the way through, even Arsenal fans. I've got a lot of friends who are Arsenal fans, and you say to them like, "I oh, doing well at the minute," and they'll they're all even they're all turn around going, "Our oh, wheels will come off soon," and like n- they don't believe that they are where they are. <laughs> like, so it's such a hard one. It's such a weird season at the minute. I think we, I think everybody kind of thought that Haaland was going to come in and just dominate the league, and City were just going to walk it. It's it's not turning out that way, and I think a lot of the teams. That, that we on paper should be beaten are turning up and knowing how to play against Liverpool. I think, again, we can say about injuries and different things like that, and we have had a few injuries, but I think some of it is then embedding players as well and getting them used to things. As you said, Nunes is now starting to step up in the way that he's playing, starting to perform really well. I think he's getting used to that role. I think it's took them probably a few games to realise that actually he's far more effective out on the left than playing right down the middle. Um, Firmino, obviously, catching fire at some point during this season, which you think to yourself, the last I would say the last few seasons, Firmino hasn't played all that well. So if it wasn't for Firmino playing the way that he is this season, you'd wonder where we'd be. Because Firmino, for me, has carried the team on a, on a couple of occasions this season now. Um, but yeah, again, for me, it's always going to come down to that midfield. But that's what I'm probably going to end up piping on about all season. But for me... The, the midfield just isn't quite good enough for the minute. Fabinho not performing all that well. Thiago in and out of the team all the time. Henderson in and out of the team. Elliot and Jones probably just a bit too young at the minute to be to be really making an impact. Elliot's playing well, don't get me wrong, but be that real solid midfield that we've had for the last few seasons. Like they're just they're not quite up to that just yet. So kind of a catalogue of things, isn't it? Yeah, well that's it. And you know, you say you don't want to dive into the injuries and but we have to mention Diaz out again, you know, mm. um, massive player got injured there. And, you know, in these games against Nottingham Forest and Leeds, where, where we got beat by the odd goal, and it was only the odd goal, let's not make a, you know, a mountain out of a mole. You know, Leeds were lucky to get a last minute goal, good, good finish by his man Somerville there, and, you know, good take. And mm. then Forrest, they got lucky. 
Um, but if you had Diaz in, in those games, you think Diaz maybe would make the difference. And Jota as well. There you go, Jota. Like, he, he, I can't remember the last game. Excuse me, I can't remember the last game he played in. But I think he was man of the match, and he got he never scored, but he got put, you know he got injured, and he's just it's such a shame losing them two players. And then Nunes has just come out of nowhere, um, almost from villain to to hero, like with the goals. He, I'm going to put make a prediction on this podcast, and um, it, it might come back to bite me in the um, in the ass. <laughs> it might do, but I think Nunes is going to be one of Liverpool's greatest ever players. Um, the fact that he's got this much ability, he's so young and he's so raw, and he's got Jurgen Klopp to nurture him. He's got players that are established around him, the likes of Bobby Firmino, the likes of Mo Salah, the likes of Jordan Henderson, James Milner. I think he'll learn from them, you know, from seasoned professionals that have done it all. And I think in three, four years' time, you could be looking at Nunes, in my opinion, as a potential Ballon d'Or winner. Now, that's a bold statement, I know, but I think he's <laughs> going to be one of Liverpool's best. I just see something in him that is just amazing because he's just he's just raw and I think if you get that rawness out of him and he starts using his head a little bit I think um, he could be special what do you think Danny? I, I think it may be coming back to bite you a little bit <laughs> um, <laughs> do you think? It's yeah I, I don't know it's it's hard isn't it I think we've had so many great players come from Liverpool that that's what I think that's what makes it such a big statement is that you think when you when you're thinking one of Liverpool's greatest ever players. Like, is he going to be up there with with Gerrard, with Torres, Suarez, even Michael Owen, boys like that? Like, real prolific legends within that team. It, it's yet to be seen. Like, it's hard to know. It's hard to know whether he's going to go that way or whether we're going to see him go like many other raw characters that have come through Liverpool that have ended up absolutely nowhere. Um, I just think there's something special. I just think there's something in there that I don't know if it's a South American American grit or you know he's also got Suarez mentor him at the international level. I just you know I say I could be sitting here in three years time. You know what I mean? And he's uh, he's been to, he's been to New York Red Bulls and he's on loan at Fulham. You know <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. You know it, it has happened, hasn't it? But you know, I, I just feel there's something special about him. One thing we haven't even mentioned, and I, I'm actually ashamed of saying this, not in my notes, the fastest hat trick in Champions League history for Mo Salah. Now we mm. haven't even mentioned him on the podcast yet. He's he's having a okay season, okay, just, but he's still got what like 13, 14 goals. He's he's always still still there with one of the plus best, isn't he? Yeah, and, and to be fair, I think he is coming into a little bit of form. I think the the World Cup, which we're going to speak about in a bit, I think it will do him well. I think having that chance to be able to just relax and to be able to get... like I know they're going to do warm weather training and stuff as well, so they're going to be away, so they're not going to just be sitting off on a beach for three weeks, but I think it will serve him well, just getting that proper break, being able to have that time with family and, and go and do football training and different things like that. Um but yeah, coming into this, I think you sort of look at it and go, like Firmino and Salah were probably coming into form going into this World Cup. Uh, and obviously neither of them are going to be playing competitive football. But I think overall it'll probably do them well to be able to have that time to just rest a little bit. Um, so yeah, so Salah, as you said, it's not, but it's not his best season. But at the same time, like we're putting Salah probably on a different level to anybody else. Like... If if Firmino like Firmino 
like is playing. We're saying Firmino's playing out of his skin. He's playing no different to the way Salah's playing. But Firmino's having an amazing season, and Salah's having an off season. Like so, like it's all it's all swings and roundabouts, and it really depends on the player. Um, just like you were saying before about Nunes, like it's one of those things. Like he's either going to be great or he's either not. Like it's all it's all dependent on people's perceptions. I think, um, as you said before, like he could end up in the realms of your Gerrards and your Torreses, or he could end up the next Mario Balotelli or El Hadj Juf. You know what I mean? Like there's a, oh. there's a couple of very controversial characters as well that were uh, went yes. one way or the other, and I suppose that's. Well, I, th- I do think he's got something a bit more special, but let- let's move on a little bit. Okay, it's been a strange season with Arsenal being top of the league, you know, City, um, the City game where we beat them and stuff and no one expected us to. But yeah, no, I mean, coming back from the, um, I say international break, but it's really the World Cup, isn't it? Which is a bit mad, which we'll talk about in the second part of the podcast for everyone who or not. Um, straight away, City. Straight away in the 22nd. Then we've got Villa on Boxing Day and we've got Leicester. Um, on New Year's Eve, so I'll say the day before New Year's Eve, my mistake. So City in the cup, um, it was always going to happen, wasn't it? Um, it's one of them where because it's a cup game and it's straight after World Cup, it's a little bit of an unknown. But you mentioned Firmino and Salah taking a rest. You know, I don't see Arnold and Henderson having big impacts to play in this World Cup. Um, you've got the likes of Thiago that make this didn't make the Spain squad. Um, there's a lot of players that aren't actually playing in the World Cup. Could that be an advantage to Liverpool? As I say, City seem to have most of their squad playing in the World Cup. Could this be an advantage to Liverpool having a lot of the players having a break? I think it will. I think it's got to be, hasn't it? I think with the, the season that we've had, I think you're watching Liverpool and all you can say when you're looking at them is that they look fatigued. They look tired. So to be able to then look at that team and, as you said, look at Firmino's on form and now getting a bit of a rest and the chance to be able to do a bit of warm weather training. Salah being the same, Thiago being the same, Robertson being the same, Trent and Henderson probably not necessarily having a massive impact. Like they didn't come on in the first game that England played there. Can't see them coming on in too many other games unless there's been unless injuries happen. Um like don't get me wrong, there's a whole other conversation we can have on Trent and the way he's looking at the minute on that England camp and how he's like so into himself and he's not talking to other people and he just looks like his head's completely down. Um, but I think overall, I think it's it's gonna only serve us well to have that break. The bigger question, I suppose, is a very much a curveball that I'm throwing at you now, which we haven't spoken about, is was on about like the EFL Cup. Do you think Liverpool are gonna properly go for it? Because is there a hint of the fact that if we win a cup this season, whether it be an FA Cup, EFL, Champions League, whatever, that we'll see Klopp leave at the end of the season? So do you think he will go all out to try and win something? Because it, it, it looks, for me, it's looking more and more on the cards that he may end up going at the end of this season. Wow, what a careful, Danny. What a <laughs> careful. Um, don't see Klopp going at the end of the season. I think he'll see out his contract. Um, what I'd, what's an interesting one you mentioned Arnold there I know he's quite young but I'm look, I'll, I'll go from a different angle you know Manny went at the end of the season Milner has to be his last season now he could do a job as sub next season I'm sure he could but Henderson 32-33 Thiago's not the youngest Van Dijk 31-32 um, it's a transitional period but the problem is with the teams like Liverpool You've got to be successful during this transitional period. Mm. And um, it's so hard to... Like, if Jürgen Klopp ever leaves Liverpool and he doesn't leave on a trophy, he'll be he'll probably leave on being the victim of his own success. Yeah. 
does that make sense? Now, in an ideal world, you end, you, you know, you you finish, don't you, on 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 a Premier League or a Champions League or something? But you can never predict these things. Honestly, Danny, I don't see Jurgen Klopp going because where would he go? You know, where would he go? But I take what you're saying, and I think with the way football is these days, it, and we, do you know what we haven't even mentioned the ownership look for sale? But that's that's a discussion for another day. But I think. Liverpool's in safe hands at Jurgen Klopp, and he's he's got the he's got the credit in the tank. You know he can kind of Jurgen Klopp should be able to say when he wants to leave Liverpool, hmm. and um, I think it would take an absolute disaster on the highest proportion for him not to do, pick and choose when he leaves. But I do take your point, but I'm not falling for it, Danny. <laughs> it's interesting. Like, I, I never like don't get me wrong. I never ever think he's going to get sacked. Like I think he's he's done far too much for Liverpool for it to end in that way. And I think Liverpool know that. I think there'd be a huge backlash if something happened and they became like a lot of other clubs do and sack someone like Jurgen Klopp. I think it'd be detrimental to the to the club and the philosophy and the history of it. Um, but I just, for me, just since the start of the season, there's just been something that, that that sort of stinks a lot of what his last season at Dortmund was like. I don't know whether he would want to take a break, whether he's maybe looking that he could ride out the rest of his career in like the German national squad and stuff like that. I know there's been rumours of that previously. Who knows? I was just sort of putting it out there as a talking point there. But I think you're right in terms of, I suppose that's why I posed the question. Is for me, he will finish. Like he's got to finish on a trophy. He'll want to finish on a high. So it's all the thinking. If he does win something like an FA Cup or the Champions League or something this season, do you think he would call it a day on that just because it's gone? Just because he's finished on such a, a high level, it's not going to be the Premier League. Let's be honest. But it's probably more likely it could be Champions League or something. Well, I threw a curveball into the podcast today. Um, with Nunes and you threw on a Klopp but we'll see what happens all I can say is the day that Jurgen Klopp leaves Liverpool we'll be sending some very emotional texts to each <laughs> other and um, I don't think they'll be they won't be happiness will they and um, it'll be a sad day but sure, there you go we'll, 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 um, we'll I'm actually getting a, a tear in my eye thinking about that Danny you know and I, I don't want to do that on such a hectic pod but uh, yeah no, we've got City in, in the League Cup um, after after the World Cup, and then we've got Aston Villa and Leicester. Um, Danny, let's say for argument's sake, if someone said to you now, we'd get beaten against City in the League Cup, but we'd beat Villa and Leicester in the league, would you take that, or would you say, no, it's still Liverpool, we want to be progressing you know, in the Cup and getting full points? Or how, If you had a scenario where you had to lose one out of those three games, what game would you lose? Um, it's hard to know. I think I think every game is crucial, but for me... I think with the way the season's going at the minute, I would rather take the beating City in the cup, and because cups are always massively important, and taking probably one of the losses in the league, and I think we could make it up. But I think probably the bigger issue is just the fact that we're coming off the back of a World Cup, where as you said, probably fifty percent, if not more, of our team would all be rested. There's no way we shouldn't be going for all three of those games and getting points because we've got no excuse. It's not like we're fatigued anymore. The only people who potentially are going to be fatigued is Allison and Van Dijk. They're the only ones, really, that we're going to get fatigued out of, depending on how far they go. Obviously, Brazil tipped to win the World Cup at the minute. Um, but apart from that, we've got a team that that will be fresh, if not fresh-ish, from being in squads in the World Cup and not really playing all that much. So, like for me, there's no excuse. I think we should be going for all of these this side of the new year and 
like apart from the city game, which is always going to be a tough one, like I can't see us not winning. I, I don't think we should have any excuse for not winning those games. Well, there you go. It's um, it's going to be interesting going straight into that. Even my eight-year-old son Logan said to me, he said, "Dad," I said, "What? What's up, son?" He goes, "But when the World Cup's up, we've got City straight away, and Holland's a machine." And I was like, "Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, son, I know." But so there you go. But yeah, what I will do is um, I will give a shout out as well just before. We go to the second part of the podcast to my local team, Derry City there, that won the uh, FAA Cup in uh, Dublin uh, uh, last weekend there. And Danny's laughing because he knows it's uh, the standard of football wouldn't be the best. I just know that you've lost 70% of our podcast. They're all going, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I just have to say, yeah, Derry City, my local team, won the FA Cup there. So it was a great, great, great occasion in Dublin. And um, a great day out. I have to give them a shout out. Um, but yeah, in the second part of the podcast, guys, we're going to dive in deep of the um, Ronaldo interview, which, which will be interesting. I'm sure we'll have a lap over. And then uh, we're, we're going to talk about our World Cup, World Cup predictions. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Right, everybody, welcome back to... Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Now, outside of Liverpool, there has been a lot of things going on. Uh, obviously, we've got the World Cup starting up now, and you, some of you will have seen the first few matches and stuff like that. And we'll get into the, the World Cup and, and England and Wales and everybody else that we're going to chat about during that. But first, we thought it's not worth having a footballing podcast to not talk about probably the biggest news of the season. And the biggest footballing news of the season didn't happen on a football pitch. It happened in a chat room with friggin' Piers Morgan, of all people. But the Ronaldo interview is obviously something that is dividing people. Um, and I think it probably divides us on this podcast as well. So that's what we thought would be interesting to discuss it a little bit. But Ronaldo has come out away from his team and everything else and has basically leathered his team, leathered the philosophy of Manchester United, um, leathered everything and everyone. It felt like at some point when he was watching that interview in terms of talking about the, the, the history of the club, the fact that nothing's been improved, it's, no, it's only got worse since Alex Ferguson left and all the rest of it. So it was a very sort of interesting, high-octane interview. And now I know that you've got to see it, Ammo, so... What was your thoughts? Obviously, it came out of the blue. Ronaldo just kind of announced it, didn't he? And then next minute it was there, and it, and then it was just everywhere. So what did what did you make of it when you seen it? Well, you don't be the most follow person on Instagram. Um, or sorry, Twitter. It's Twitter, isn't it? It could be both. I don't know. We're out having a good team behind you. So it was obviously well rehearsed, well scripted. The timing couldn't have been more perfect. He wanted to get his minutes and his legs to be fit for Portugal for the World Cup. You know, so it was clever from that point of view. Um, can't take away from the fact that he's been through a hard time losing a child um, and having another one born with the family and stuff like that um, I get that, it was a hard, hard, hard time for him on a personal note now you can't really look at this without kind of looking at what he's done to his club now Manchester United is a huge, huge club and uh, we, have a lot of, we have a lot of banter about them on this podcast and we say a lot of things about Manchester United um, but what I will say is for any player to disrespect the club like that, the way he's done it, it doesn't matter what you've done in your career, he's tarnished his legacy in Manchester United. And he was he was going down as Manchester United's greatest ever, probably one of the greatest ever players. And he's tarnished it. And I don't see why he's tarnished it, because he's just... 
the, the problem is with Ronaldo, his ego was that big. He didn't realise that, you know, no one wants to pay his money. No one coming. If anyone coming from at the summer, he was a goner. But no one would pay his wages. Even Sport and Lisbon, even the manager of Sport and Lisbon, were all starting from in Portugal, a team that should be really biting their arm off to have someone like Ronaldo, said, nah, because it'll change our style of play. It'll change the way we play. And I think Rooney, I wouldn't be the biggest fan of Wayne Rooney, but he's, he's hit the nail on the head. Age comes to everyone. He, he just hasn't accepted it. And uh, with the ego that he has, without just kind of gracefully going into this role at the top, 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 top league at 37 years of age, coming on, scoring the odd goal, having an impact, still being a, you know, a force at the age of 37, which is an achievement in itself. Instead of just accepting that, his ego has made him do this. And um, when he ends up in the MLS, he's got no one to blame but himself. <laughs> <laughs> which it feels to me like he is going to end up in the MLS. But yeah, it was an interesting one, wasn't it? I think for me, there's a lot to unpack within the interview. I understand because there was a lot of hype in pre-season around the fact that Ronaldo like feels that he's too big for the club. He's waiting for a transfer. That's why he's not coming to pre-season. But actually, his family was just really ill. And I understand the fact that, especially with him losing a child not that long ago, you totally understand the fact that if he has another child that gets really sick, he wants to be there. And I think the media massively overhyped it and turned it into something that he wasn't. It wasn't. So I understand this frustration at wanting to share his side of the story of things because it seemed to spread a little bit into the club and then it seemed to spread into the, the philosophy and all the rest of it. I think Eric Ten Hag, as, as much as I understand what he's doing, I think he's almost trying to do a Jose Mourinho. You remember Jose Mourinho when he went to Real Madrid and he just scrapped Casillas off, arguably the best player in the team at that point, to make a statement of showing his power. I think there's probably a little bit of that at play as well. Uh, and I think all of these things culminating together, I think Ronaldo's frustrations kind of overboiled and he thought, well, I want to share my story. No one's given me the chance to do that. The media is going to push it in the way that they want to. I know that Piers Morgan, as, as much as people hate him, he will tell an honest story. So he decided to go and, and share it like that. But I think the way that he went about it was a little bit ludicrous. I think, as you said, and I think points of it in that interview showed it, is that he believes his own hype too much and he's responding too much to his own hype. He was talking during the interview outside of all the quotes that we've heard at different points. He said in the interview about the whole thing of the World Cup this year and it being a dream and, and the whole thing of him and Messi coming against each other in the final and, and stuff like this. It's being like, obviously, they've took that picture since, haven't they? That whole, is it with Versace um, or Louis Vuitton, isn't it? Where they, they've took that picture, the chess game together. Like They believe that like this World Cup is like the last hurrah for the two of them. Like They're not going to get battered by Spain and Brazil. Like They're not going to do them over in, the, in like the last 16 or in the quarterfinals. For me, they're not really going to come all that close to being able to have this dream finish. But I think Ronaldo thinks that he is because of who he is. And as you said, he hasn't accepted the fact that he's older, he's slower, and and, and there's just multiple issues there. And instead of dealing with that, I think the Spurs game was kind of the epitome of that. The Ten Hag wanted to come on for the last five minutes and he refused to do that. And he said in that interview, because of who I am, does he not know who I am and the trophies that I've won that only bring me on for five minutes? Who does he think he is that he is too good to play five minutes in a in a team that is playing 
top level in the Premier League and Champions League. Well, this is the thing, and one thing we haven't mentioned is the time in the interview. It's well, it's, it's really well put together. You no, know, in the week before the the end of the kind of the break in the world and mm. the World Cup, he's obviously going to get his contract terminated. Um, he's obviously going to end up playing somewhere and getting the love and respect he deserves as such. Um, but I, I'll tell you something for nothing. I um, I used to play for a local team down, and I know I'm not Ronaldo. We all know that, right? But I'm using an example. I used to play for a local team called Lifford Celtic, and um, we we travelled three and a half hours down to the side of Ireland years ago, and I was a substitute, and the game ended, the, the team, other team were winning 4-0, and the manager turned around to me, five minutes ago, you know, do you want to come on? And uh, I never, I, I looked at him going, he's stupid, I've just travelled all this way, of course I want to come on. Um, it was embarrassing. It was heartbreaking. Um, I felt I deserved better because I was scoring goals for the team. Um, and I was really, 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 really angry. But he turned around to me and he says, do you want, he gave me the choice not to come on, you know, but I'm not getting paid. I'm an amateur. And then Ten Hal kind of, he shot himself in the footy and this is where we'll stick up for Ronaldo. He said he didn't want to bring Ronaldo on against City when they were getting smoked because he had respect for him. But then he says he wants to bring him on against... Admittedly, it's a different situation, but then he's asking to bring him on. I get what you're saying. There's been a lot of people vocal about that. You know, you're paid by the club. And um, I don't want to stick up for Ronaldo, but you, you, I think it is a little bit disrespectful bringing a player on for a couple of minutes towards the end of a game when you've got youngsters sitting on the bench. That probably could... Exp- you know, it, it is a little bit disrespectful. But in saying that, as you mentioned about the... The Jose Mourinho with the Casillas thing, you know, we've seen other managers, you know, big players coming with the egos. We've seen it with Guardiola and Hart when he when he come into City. Maybe Ten Hag is saying, "Right, okay, well, I'll have you as part of my squad, but you're going to do what I say." So I'm boss, and me bringing you on for five minutes against Spurs is me, is me, you know, showing that I'm boss. But I'll also make you captain as well a few a few weeks later, and I'll also not bring you on against City because I think it's disrespectful. I think Ten Hag's shown kind of mixed signals here. And yeah. I use my example because the manager, like I, I was so angry, and I still hold a bit of anger, anger to this day. But I always remember the manager saying, "Do you want to come on?" He was what he was basically saying was, "Listen, if you don't want to come on, that's fine. I, I'm not putting you on." I could see where he was coming from, but Ten Hag shown mixed signals. And what I would say about Ronaldo is, we can talk about his family and what happened, the tragedy. We could talk about what he's done, amazing things, one of the best, hundred percent, one of the best. But I think most of this right now, it just comes into ego. And Ronaldo's ego is what has put made this interview come out and this situation. And um, he could have had the next six months at a, a, a top probably four club in the Premier League, still getting goals, having a chance to win maybe an FA Cup or something. Um, but he's just shot himself in the foot. And he's going to end up at a club that's probably not as good as United. And then he'll get the love, love and stuff. But, you know, he won't be at that level. And um, I think he's tarnished his legacy. I think his ego is the reason his legacy is going to be tarnished. You know, I hate Manchester United. You hate Manchester United. Liverpool fans hate Manchester United, but we only hate them because they've been really successful and they've and the the the, the legacy of a club, the, an institution like Liverpool, and um, he's ruined he's ruined his legacy at Manchester United. And I think in years to come, okay, football fans are fickle and forget, but I think in years to come he'll uh, he'll regret what he's done. And when it comes to Pierce Morgan, he's just a prat anyway. So. We'll leave it there. <laughs> it's definitely an interesting one. Like 
And again, it goes back to what we were saying in the first half of the pod. You wonder what's going on behind the scenes. Like, has Ronaldo already got a pre-deal set up somewhere else that they want him to come in, but he needs to have his contract terminated so that they're not having to pay a fortune for him to come in? Is this maybe why he's decided to get it off his chest and do something like this? And as you said, but I think 75% of it is ego. And I think the interview showed that, as you said, you remember Pep Guardiola doing what he'd done with Joe Hart. You remember Jose Mourinho doing what he'd done with Casillas. Goalkeepers, by the way, they seem to get abuse all the time, don't they? Or- Danny, it was, a whole, it was all brought in. And I remember all over social media, it was only a year and a bit ago when people, for quick memories, they forget a lot. The last dance, CR7. You yeah. know, all, all this, like, it was like... Ronaldo's going to come. We'll have a transitional season under Oli because we got to the Europa League final, you know, <laughs> and then we're going to win the league and, and, and Ronaldo's the saviour and, and all this and that. And, and look how it ended because the reality was was Manchester United aren't what they, what they once were on, on the pitch. Yeah. And um, a 36, 37-year-old Ronaldo that can't run no more is, is wasn't going to improve the team. And yes, he gets goals, but I would argue that you put anyone in, in Manchester United's team, they'll get goals, you know. And um, yeah, let's say the last dance isn't quite the way he anticipated it and I've got a smile on my face because coming to the World Cup I know we're going to talk about that in a minute I think um, I think people are are getting onto it now you know the only way Ronaldo's going to get a goal these days is if if it's a pinpoint ball to his head and he's got a decent leap on him he doesn't really get any kind of tappings or screamers no more does he no, it has to, like, for him to get goals now, the team has to revolve around him. And I stick to what I said last season is that, yes, Ronaldo got goals last season, and everyone will look at that and go, look how consistent he is in terms of getting goals. But it looks like he was the saviour of that team last season, where the reality was, is he was a bit of an arsonist. He caused the fire and then looked like he was putting out the fire that he started. Because Man United, if we all remember the season before, as you just mentioned, were doing pretty well. All he had a philosophy in place and all the rest of it. We had to buy Ronaldo to stop City from getting Ronaldo. And then we brought him in. Had to change the entire system, the entire tactics. Everything fell to pot because it was everything had to revolve around Ronaldo. And yes, he got 20 goals because that's the way they played football. But he was the one that caused the problems on, on and off the pitch. And then he's got two, as you said, he's got too big for his boots. Ten Hag has come in, made these changes and... He can't do what Pep and, and Mourinho has done because he's not Pep Mourinho. He was a guy that nobody ever heard of until United said that they were going to bring him in as manager. He's come in and Ronaldo has gone with that classic schoolyard tactic of, do you know who I am? Every time something's happened. And and that's what he's done. And unfortunately, it's it's led to, to this fire that now he can't put out himself. Yeah, it's kind of funny that you mentioned the City thing. I was, I was literally on the tip of my tongue. You know, I've said to a lot of Manchester United fans, you know, um, he was only going to go to City, and they like, he was never going to City. He's literally said on an interview with Piers Morgan, he was going to go to City, and Fergie stopped it. Yeah. And it made sense because City wanted Kane, and it was not was happening, and they just needed a goal scorer. Look at Haaland. There was a, a few players in the world that could do that thing. Kane was one of them. Haaland was another, and Ronaldo was another. And um, he was literally going to go to Manchester City. It's just hilarious that um, the way things have, you know, have, have materialized, but. We'll see what happens if you say it's a good good way to describe him. He's an and he can't put out I'm a, a, a what, what am I saying? <laughs> Edit that out, Danny. <laughs> an honest, whatever you want to say. Arsonist. There we go. Arsonist. There we go. Um, don't edit it out. It'll be funny. Because <laughs> the Christmas bloopers, as they say. But never not, getting yeah, never getting <laughs> edited. Yeah, never. Of course not. I wouldn't expect nothing different, Danny. But yeah, he can't put out that fire. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know. Um, 
But yeah, it's mad. We've got the World Cup to talk about here now, which is which is mad again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm going to put my money on now just to finish that conversation. I'm going to say it'll be off to PSG in January. I'm just going to say that. Do you think? Might be, it might mess- be wrong, but for me, that's the only place that has got enough money to take them. Wow, both like Messi and Ronaldo playing together. Now that would be a that would be a fair as hell, wouldn't it? It would be inter- it'd be interesting. Like I think it'd ruin their team as well, but because having these two Al fellas up front, but I, I think I think it's the only place that can take them if he wants to keep playing top level football. Well, when we beat Real Madrid in the Champions League, we'll be we'll be beat big PSG with City with, with um, Ronaldo and um, Messi in it. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> be amazing to watch. Amazing yeah, to watch. But, there you go. But talking of amazing to watch, we've got this World Cup coming up. It's been absolutely shrouded <laughs> in controversy so far. I'm not sure whether it's going to be as amazing as we think it is. If the opening game is anything to go by, the whole thing is going to be absolutely dire. But it's it's just been a weird one, hasn't it, in terms of everything that's going on, in terms of the controversy that surrounds it. Like whether you agree with it or whether you don't, it's it's dividing everybody. But football wise, there is a World Cup going on in the winter in Qatar, and obviously all the big names. Well, most of the big names are playing there. So, like Amo, I know you're not a massive England fan. I would tend to be of the type that I watch England in major tournaments. Um, so obviously I've seen their first game there, which they comfortably won. Um, are you supporting anyone? Have you got a sweepstake at least to be able to be supporting anyone? And I got a sweepstake, and you know, got did you? I ran. <laughs> well, well, that wasn't a great start. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, what I will say, let, let's keep it possible and talk about the football. You know, the outside issues is um, it's well out of mind and your control. So, mm. um, another you know boycotting the World Cup and stuff like that that could be you know that's a discussion for another time. Regarding the football itself, um, no, I'm not a big England fan. Um, I've stated my reasons so many times and people understand that. Um, but at the same time, like anything, like your France's, like your Argentina's, your Brazil's, when a big nation's on, you watch it, don't you? Um, so obviously, naturally, when Ecuador and Qatar were playing, you know, I, I couldn't wait. I, I had, the, <laughs> I had the, the tea and the biscuits on the go, you know, and uh, couldn't wait to win. I'm joking, right? But no, listen. <laughs> Have a face um, Regarding the World Cup, um, what I like to see about most World Cups and, and tournaments is you always get a couple of stars that come out of nowhere, and like, you no one's ever heard of them. They might be at, like mid-range, you know, Spanish or Portuguese or French clubs. The next thing you know, they have a good World Cup and they're worth a hundred million. You know, Hamad Rodriguez was a player in the past that you know comes to mind, and you know, back in the day, I'll have you there say his name, but you. Know, you always get stars that emerge from the World Cup, and that's going to be interesting to watch. And plus, football on three times a day every day—that's always good for the um, for for the morale and the mental health. But um, I suppose I'm going to kind of give mine, and I'll ask you. I'm going to give my like my kind of two, three favorites for the tournament, and I'm going to give an outsider. And it's going to be interesting that we actually mentioned it's been mentioned before. But my tip for the tournament: Argentina. I want to see Messi's fairy tale come true. Um, obviously, they won the Copa del Rey there um, a, a year and a half ago. They've got a lot of kind of seasoned campaigners, you know, in the mid, mid, mid to late twenties, and you know, I see them being a team that you know are going to be hard to beat. And they've got Messi still, you know, having a, a, a good impact on the team. Um, I think you can't look past the likes of France and England as well. Hmm. Um, obviously, them two teams are always there thereabouts. Haven't even mentioned Germany, you know. Um, and teams like that, but my outside team actually, uh, 
I've, I'm saying this after what I've just said about Ronaldo, but I fancy Portugal to be like a team to watch. Um, I don't know why, apart from maybe it, it could be his last dance as such. Um, but they've also they've got quality throughout the squad, the likes of Bruno Fernandes. Um, Pepe's still there, you know. Um, and, you know, Matino midfield. They are a good, 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 good team, but they're not being tipped to go anywhere near um, the final of the tournament. And I just fancy them to potentially come through. Um, after that, Danny, and I'm being honest, I don't want to kind of sound boring, but after that, I haven't really got much more to say about the World Cup. You know, I mean, the likes of uh, Lewandowski's, you know, He'll be out soon. You know, the likes of Nunes with Uruguay will be interesting to keep my him and Suarez up front. Hmm. Um, there's lots of kind of little semi subplots and stuff. Obviously, Bale's last tournament as well for Wales. You, you can't not but to look past that. It's Van Dyke's first World Cup at the age of 31. You know, you're happy for him on a personal level. But yeah, Danny, I don't know. How, what are your feelings about it? You know, I suppose I don't really know what I'm asking here, but what are your feelings about, first of all, being in Qatar and second of all, with everyone being match fit? Do you think it? Adds a different dynamic. I think it does. I think it is going to change. I think we're going to find that quite interesting. I think one of the things that have always has always been the talking points of a World Cup or a Euros is the fact that England players look really tired because they because all the England team play top level football. So they always say about the fact that England look tired after a full season and all the rest of it. This is like for most of these players, this is like the peak of their fitness. They're playing the World Cup at the absolute peak of what of what they normally play in. But England have got a really solid squad. Uh, I think they've got players coming off the bench. Like even you look at England's first game there, they, they had the likes of Foden coming off the bench. Foden is is on fire for Man City at the minute. But yet he's only making a bench spot during the group stages of England and stuff like that. Because because Saka again is on fire for Arsenal playing really well. Bellingham can't be left out of that team the way he's playing at the minute really, really well. Um, yeah, so there's there's so much options for England and they're coming into a World Cup like, at the peak of their fitness. Um, at the same time, they've only got Luke Shaw that can play left-back, so I think that's always going to kill them off in the later stages. Uh, plus the start and Harry Maguire. Like, let's, let's see how that goes over the next few weeks. But I think it's going to be an interesting World Cup. For me, For me, I think it's Brazil's to lose. Like, I'm tipping Brazil. I think Brazil have got a good chance of winning it. Um, I think behind that, I would have said France because I think France have got a really good team. They've got so many injuries just happened pre well like pre World Cup with Vinicius Junior going out and different ones like that. I think they're going to really struggle now. Benzema, Balondoma out. Yeah, exactly. Benzema out, Vinicius Junior Junior out. Um, so I think it's going to be a really tough one for them actually. Um, Netherlands, I think for me, I would have said they were really. It was going to be a really tight group for them, apart from Qatar. But then, again, Mane injured for Senegal. Not going to make it into the World Cup. I think Netherlands probably going to cruise through that group. Um, and Netherlands, I think, have always got a chance on paper. Same as Belgium. Uh, I think Belgium, arguably the best team on paper, but never, ever show up at a World Cup. For me, they're always going to be the outsider. But I'm always going to say Belgium is an outside chance for me. But I, th- I think it's just going to be really interesting like how the whole thing gets on. Um, as you said, there's so many different interesting teams, like the like, like the USA always tend to turn up at World Cups. They never like they always seem to be in, in or in around Wales first World Cup in sixty four years. Like got that hot they've got a real buzz around them, so you can never rule Wales out of I think getting out of the group at least. 
Well, what's good about World Cup as well, there's always like subplots, isn't it? There's always a couple of teams that come out of nowhere that we probably haven't even mentioned. And um, they come out of nowhere and they, they, you know, they, they enlighten the World Cup. It's the mm. same with a couple of players. So, you know, you mentioned the likes of USA and I didn't even mention Brazil or Belgium because they're just serial failures, aren't they? You know, when yeah. it comes to well, Belgium or Brazil aren't, obviously, but, you know, Belgium are. But the thing about Brazil, I, I honestly, I really don't like Neymar. I really can't stand mm. Neymar. And oh, I agree with you there. His ego was going to be like, he's going to be even more greedy, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the fact that they didn't pick Bobby to Liverpool's advantage, but I couldn't believe mm. that. You you know, you've got the likes of Richarlison, who's ego. And put it this way, there's going to be three matches on a day for the next three or four weeks. And uh, it, it'll certainly be interesting to have something on the background, but I'm not particularly, you know, I'm not. I'm not having lack of sleep over the excitement of it, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. You mentioned these little subplots. You mentioned at the beginning of the pod there about Ronaldo, Messi, and their last last Sarage. You know, you've already mentioned England and Kane. You mentioned France. Okay, yet they've got Benzema, but they've got Giroud, and Giroud's a couple of goals away from being France's all-time top goalscorer. Mm. Now, if you think of the, the players that I play for France, Zidane, Henri, you wouldn't think Olivier Giroud would have a chance of being France's top goalscorer. But now that Benzema. Is injured, he's going to be the main man, and he's still got quality. And Mbappe, we haven't even mentioned Mbappe, yeah. so um, there's lots of subplots, isn't there? And there's lots of little, we've never mentioned Spain, Danny. We didn't even mention Spain. I know Spain and Germany for me are going to be really interesting ones because the two of them again are going through a real transitional period. Where I think for me, I'm not thinking they're going to do much in this tournament, but but they're also Spain and Germany, so you never know, they could surprise us. That's it, isn't it? They've not got no bad players, you know, and um, we wouldn't necessarily be experts on Spain and Germany. But if you're leaving Thiago at your squad, you know, you you, you must have quality. Mm-hmm. And they've still got the likes of uh, cocaine midfield and, you know, boys like that. So you can't rule out the likes of Spain and Germany, you know. But, what about Croatia? But, hey, Modric's still playing, 36, yeah. is he? You know, they've got Big the likes Dijan of, at the back. Big Dijan, <laughs> love him, Ratatic and, you know, boys like that. Um, but yeah, for me, I want. I want. I'm going to be an Argentina fan. Um, that's that's where my stance is for this particular World Cup. Um, just for Messi, mm. but at the same time, I really do as a football fan. Um, I, what I, what I will say is, I love all these subplots and plots that are happening. Um, but what I, I said, I, I said to myself before the pod that we were going to, but I just want to kind of take thirty seconds just to, you know, let's let's chat and remember the people that have died building those stadiums. You know, uh, people have literally died. To put on this World Cup, like, and it, it doesn't sit right now. I, I'd love to sit there and say I, I'll have that much of a stand that I'm not going to sit there and watch it. And the truth is, is I wish I was strong enough to do. And a lot of people did, but it's something on that's going to be on the background. And I know me doing it isn't probably going to make a huge difference. But let's just not forget that you know the the length some people have gone to to give us that little bit of maybe pleasure. And um, it's just sad, really, when you think that. All these stadiums are, are probably aren't going to be used in a, in a couple of weeks, couple of months' time, and mm. it's just one of those things. But I don't want to get too kind of depressing because at the end of the day, we're a football podcast. Is a probably the biggest tournament going on, and uh, I know come is it the eighteenth eighteenth of December? Um, we're going to be sitting there probably watching the World Cup final, whoever it is, and that's just the reality of football fans, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's the thing. But I think at the same time, being on a podcast, I think we have a. a a responsibility and, and an opportunity to be able to speak about these things. I know I've mentioned it before in previous podcasts. Like I, I, I totally understand like people boycotting the World Cup because yeah, of yeah. what's happened there in Qatar. 
But the bigger problem, which has been the bigger problem for ages, is is FIFA and yep. what they've done and the fact that like in any other industry in the world, you have competing companies competing for businesses. You can't buy a Hoover without there being seven different brands so that everybody is kept in check with regulations. But yet FIFA are allowed to do whatever they want because they're unopposed in terms of no, everyone can't leave FIFA and go to somebody else to do the World Cup. FIFA is the only governing body that there is. And when you have a monopoly, you have corruption. And, and that's what we well, that's what we've seen out of FIFA is that they're trying to brush over it. And again, it's too big an issue to go into today trying to brush over it with talking about um, the, the laws within Qatar and all the rest of it. But the bigger issue is the fact that it never should have happened there because yeah. what it has, because FIFA have took a, a massive amount of money to be able to host it there and have changed everything. And I think it's just all a little bit mental. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to be a very strange World Cup and it's probably going to be the first World Cup that no matter who wins it, it's going to be overshadowed massively by the issues off the pitch as opposed to the football on it. Like. Well, that's it, and I, I, I say often when I'm chatting about people, you know, whether in the barbers or, you know, in the pub or whatever, and I always say when you chat about money and football, if you start actually taking it seriously and, and bringing money aspect of football into it, it's uh, it's almost a non-subject, and like people like me and you wouldn't uh, wouldn't really get the thrill and excitement that we do to football, but the fact of the matter is, is it's a global brand, it's a global business, and um, you have to look at it as from just a typical football fans point of view and that's what me and you are Danny and uh, I think we enjoy chatting our bubbles about football in this podcast we're going to enjoy watching some of the games of the World Cup um, and I do I do wish you know for all those fans that are over there and have paid money for tickets and, and they passionately follow the club you know it, it's not it's not a coincidence that we've seen a lot of Everton fans um, <laughs> guitar it really really isn't <laughs> sorry like but um, no, the, the people like those Everton fans. I'm trying not to laugh, but the people like those Everton fans that want to see, you know, their their team do well. I, I, I wish them all the best as, you know, as a fellow football fan. But um, I'm ho- hoping the likes of Uruguay get knocked out early for Nunes. I'm hoping the likes of Henderson Arnold don't kick a ball. I'm hoping the likes of Netherlands don't do well and Van Dijk gets a rest. Um, and I'm hoping the Allison gets a seat in the bench and Edison can be number one, so Allison gets a rest. That's all I'm hoping. Um, but yeah, well, let's see how it unfolds. Our next pod will be after, probably in the new year, after the World Cup, and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on it. But it'll be interesting. And um, yeah, although Portugal will be outside outsiders for the tournament, um, I wouldn't be shocked if if you see Ronaldo on the floor in tears after three games. Yeah. And although I'm tipping them from a football point of view, from a personal point of view, it would be hilarious. <laughs> and yeah, we'll see how it gets on. As uh, Brazil for me, a top tip uh, with Belgium as underdogs, just because on paper you can't really write them off. But we'll see how we get on. I think it's going to be an interesting World Cup, and we can maybe, if people are interested, we can maybe do a little bit extra on it when it comes to the end of the World Cup. But until then, that's all the time that we've got for today to be able to chat about all this. Next time we come to you, Liverpool will be back in full flight. Hopefully, be well rested. Beat City in the EFL Cup and be well on our way to getting back into that top four, if not a little bit higher, coming into the new year. So until then, thank you so much once again for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.